Welcome to day number nine of the Reading Through the Bible Together podcast. My name is Blake Farley, and I'm super excited that you are joining us for yet another day in our reading throughout the one-year Bible. Uh, Today's New Testament reading will be Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 29. Uh, We will read the ninth Psalm, Proverbs 2, verses 16 through 22. And we will start with an Old Testament reading in Genesis chapter 20, verse 1 through chapter 22, verse 24. As always, I'll be reading out of the NLT, the New Living Translation, starting in verse 1, chapter 20. Abraham moved south to the Negev and lived for a while between Kadesh and Shur, and then he moved on to Gur. While living there as a foreigner, Abraham introduced his wife Sarah by saying, She is my sister. So King Amalbek of Gur sent for Sarah and had her brought to him at his palace. But that night God came to Amalbek in a dream and told him, You are a dead man, for that woman you have taken is already married. But Amalbek had not yet slept with her. So he said, Lord, will you destroy an innocent nation? Didn't Abraham tell me she is my sister? And she herself said, Yes, he is my brother. I acted in complete innocence. My hands are clean. In the dream, God responded, Yes, I know you are innocent. That's why I kept you from sinning against me, and why I did not let you touch her. Now return the woman to her husband, and he will pray for you, for he is a prophet. Then you will live. But if you don't return her to him, you can be sure that you and all your people will die. Verse 8. Amalek got up early the next morning and quickly called all his servants together. When he told them what had happened, his men were terrified. Then Amalek called for Abraham. What have you done to us, he demanded. What crime have I committed that deserves treatment like this, making me and my kingdom guilty of this great sin? No one should ever do what you have done. Whatever possessed you to do such a thing? Verse 11, Abraham replied, I thought, which I think is just kind of a funny line. Um, Well, what I had thought was, um, (laughs) Abraham said, I thought this is a godless place. They will want my wife and will kill me to get her. Again, we see Abraham Uh, continuing in this theme of being a coward. And she really is my sister, for we both have the same father but different mothers, and I married her. When God called me to leave my father's home and to travel from place to place, I told her, Do me a favor. Wherever we go, tell the people that I am your brother. Then Amalek took some of his sheep and goats and cattle and male and female servants, and he presented them to Abraham. He also returned his wife Sarah to him. Then Amalek said, Look over my land. Choose any place where you would like to live. And he said to Sarah, Look, I am giving your brother 1,000 pieces of silver in the presence of all these witnesses. This is to compensate you for any wrong I may have done to you. This will settle any claim against me, and your reputation is cleared. Then Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Amalek and his wife and his female servants, so they could have children. For the Lord had caused all the women to be infertile because of what had happened with Abraham's wife Sarah. Chapter 21 The Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he promised. She became pregnant, and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened at just the time God had said it would. And that's how it always works, my friends. Not too soon, not too late. Everything happens right on time. And uh, we get to see the culmination of this story here. As we've been, for the past couple days, reading the story of Abraham, um, God, as he said he would, has given Abraham and Sarah a son. And um, beautiful verse here as we open chapter 21. This happened at just the time God had said it would. And Abraham named their son Isaac. Eight days after Isaac was born, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded. 
Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. Dang. Verse 6. And Sarah declared, God has brought me laughter. All who hear about this will laugh with me. Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse a baby? Yet I have given Abraham a son in his old age. So Sarah said, uh, you know, I used to laugh uh, out of mocking of God because I thought there was no way. And now I laugh with joy. And she thus names her son Isaac. Verse 8. When Isaac grew up and was about to be weaned, Abraham prepared a huge feast to celebrate the occasion. But Sarah saw Ishmael, the son of Abraham, and her Egyptian servant Hagar making fun of her son Isaac. So she turned to Abraham and demanded, Get rid of that slave woman and her son. He is not going to share the inheritance with my son Isaac. I won't have it. But God told Abraham, Do not be upset over the boy and your servant. Do whatever Sarah tells you. For Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. But I will also make a nation of the descendants of Hagar's son, because he is your son too. So Abraham got up early the next morning, prepared food and a container of water, and strapped them on Hagar's shoulders. Then he sent her away with their son. She wandered aimlessly in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water was gone, she put the boy in the shade of a bush. Then she went and sat down by herself about a hundred yards away. I don't want to watch the boy die, she said as she burst into tears. You can just feel the emotional weight of that verse. She's used up everything, uh, all of her food, all of her water, and now she has to resort to setting her baby down in the shade and walking away because she's done all that she can do. Verse 17, But God, two of the most beautiful verses in all of Scripture. But God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven. Hagar, what's wrong? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Go to him and comfort him, for I will make a great nation from his descendants. We see God hears the cries of those who need him. Verse 19, and that was my interjection there. I have to add that because sometimes it sounds like I'm just reading a verse. But there we get to see, uh, in my opinion, uh, how God um, is always there for those who need him, who call out to him. Verse 19, then God opened Hagar's eyes and she saw a well full of water. She quickly filled her water container and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy as he grew up in the wilderness. He became a skillful archer, and he settled in the wilderness of Paran. His mother arranged for him to marry a woman from the land of Egypt. About this time, Amalbek came with Fickle, his army commander, to visit Abraham. God is obviously with you, helping you in everything you do. To which we would say, yeah, definitely. As you learn more about Abraham, you realize this guy could do nothing without God. And Amalbek said, um, swear to me, and this is picking back up, verse 23, Amalbek said, swear to me in God's name that you will never deceive me, my children, or any of my descendants. I've been loyal to you, so now swear that you will be loyal to me and this country where you are living as a foreigner. Abraham replied, yes, I swear to it. Then Abraham complained to Amalbek about a well that Amalbek's servants had taken by force from Abraham's servants. This is the first I've heard of it, Amalbek answered. I have no idea who is responsible. You have never complained about this before. Abraham then gave some of his sheep, goats, and cattle to Amalbek, and they made a treaty. But Abraham took seven additional female lambs and set them off by themselves. Amalbek asked, Why have you set these seven apart from the others? Abraham replied, Please accept these seven lambs to show your agreement that I dug this well. Then he named the place Beersheba, which means a well of oath, because that was where he had sworn the oath. After making their covenant at Beersheba, Amalbek left with Fickle, the commander of the army, and they returned home to the land of the Philistines. Then Abraham planted a tarmac tree at Beersheba, 
And there he worshipped the Lord, the eternal God. And Abraham lived as a foreigner in Philistine country for a long time. Chapter 22. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Okay, let's pause. This is um, one of those weird texts that uh, people often use to say God is a moral monster. Um, God here is asking uh, Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac. But again, we have to remember we're reading an ancient text uh, written in a completely different culture in a completely different context. And we must always ultimately get our view of Scripture uh, from Jesus. He is the Word, the ultimate Word. The Bible, we call it the Word, but the Word is Jesus. And so we put everything up against Jesus, and we understand that God is grace-filled grace and mercy-filled. And honestly, what this text is pointing us to is the character of God, and ultimately we'll see it's pointing us towards Jesus. So just take that with a grain of salt as we read. I'm not trying to soften it in any way for you. It is. It's crazy. Um, but we just need to understand that ultimately there's a bigger point here. Verse 2. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land, Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. The next morning Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. So Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders, while he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked together, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said. But where is the sheep for the burnt offering? God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered. And they both walked on together. That's just a powerful couple of verses there. Um, Namely, as we start in verse 6, you see that Isaac is carrying the wood that he is to be sacrificed on, which is a shadow to somebody else who would be carrying wood that they would be sacrificed on. Who is that? That's Jesus, carrying his cross through the town uh, that ultimately he would be sacrificed on. And then we have this really emotional text where Isaac uh, realizes that there's nothing to offer. They have all the materials for an offering, but they don't have the actual offering. And I love Abraham's response. It shows great faith in God. He has no reason to have this faith. Besides, he knows who God is. He knows God's character. He knows God would never do this. He says, God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. God's going to provide a way, Abraham answered, as they both walked on. Verse 9. When they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. And then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. And at that moment, the angel of the Lord called from him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't you lay a hand on that boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. And we see this amazing faith here. Uh, it's actually a faith that in the New Testament, the book of James lifts up as uh, a picture of what our faith in Christ should look like. It's a faith that we believe so desperately that it believes us, uh, it leads us to taking actions 
that we don't want to or even understand because we have made Jesus our Lord. We are no longer the Lord of our own lives. And this is um, why Abraham is who he is because he, he's not great. We've seen that, but he trusts God. And God's character shines through. Of course, God would never allow this to happen. Um, do not lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. And then they provide a, uh, God provides uh, a sacrifice, which we see here in verse 13. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Now we know that God did not do this. Meaning when God sent his son, uh, his son was the sacrifice. A sacrifice for the whole world so that we might be free. See, people want to look at this text and say that God's a moral monster. But in reality, this text just shows us all the more God's grace, love, and mercy. You feel the pain of an unbelievable scenario in which a father must kill his son. And it's a shadowing to God who would do that for us. So for people who take this and get mad at God, you're missing the point. This text is meant to shake you so that you would see and feel what God feels. It should lead us all to our knees in worship of, Oh God, who am I to deserve such a thing? Who am I that you would sacrifice your one and only son so that we might have eternal life? It's amazing. Verse 14. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yer, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called again to Abraham from heaven. This is what the Lord says. Because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond number, like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashores. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies, and through your descendants all nations on the earth will be blessed all because you have obeyed me. Soon after this, Abraham heard that Milcah, his brother Nahor's wife, had borne Nahor eight sons. That is impressive. Verse 21. The oldest was named Uz. The next oldest was Buzz, followed by Camille. I know, you think it's going to be Uz, and then it's just completely not even close. The ancestor of the Armenians, Kesed, Hazo, Philadad, Jilbadel, and Bethuel. Bethuel became the father of Rebekah. In addition to these eight sons from Milcah, Nahor had four other children from his concubine, Rahum. Their names were Tavin, Gaham, Tashem, and Mekahom. Moving on to our New Testament reading of the day, Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 through 29. This is Jesus speaking. Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way that they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit. A bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Pause. What about we're not supposed to judge people? Well, we can't judge people because we're not God, but we ought to look at the actions of people. And if their actions don't align with what they say, we should go with what their actions say. Like, for instance, if I tell you uh, I believe in airplanes, uh, but I decide to kayak to Europe instead of flying to Europe, you can conclude that I don't really believe in planes. It's just something I say. But my actions would speak so much louder than my words. That's what Jesus is saying. There are people who say they are 
Christ followers, say they are leaders, say they are prophets, and yet their actions will ultimately be the test of whether or not they truly are. Verse 21, in light of this, Jesus says this, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Pretty straightforward and pointed. If you love Jesus, if you follow Jesus, you will delight in God's commands. Now, look, it's important to say that you're not saved because you delight in God's commands. If you are saved, you delight in God's commands. You have to get the order correct on that. It doesn't seem like a big deal. It's a huge deal. And it's a way in which we can test ourselves. Do I want to follow Jesus? Not do I always, because none of us do. But do I want to? Is the desire there? Because if the desire is there, then that's a very good sign that we actually have been regenerated by the Holy Spirit. Because on our own, we don't want to obey anybody but ourselves. Verse 24. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on a sand. When the rains and the floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught with real authority, quite unlike their teachers of the religious law. Moving on to our Proverbs of the day, Proverbs chapter 2, verse 16 through 22. says, Wisdom will save you from the immoral woman, from the seductive words of the promiscuous woman. She has abandoned her husband and ignores the covenant she made before God. Entering her house leads to death. It is the road to the grave. The man who visits her is doomed. He will never reach the paths of life. So follow the steps of the good and stay on the paths of the righteous. For only the godly will live in the land, and those with integrity will remain in it. But the wicked will be removed from the land, and the treacherous will be uprooted. Finally, we'll pray through Psalm chapter 9. And as always, I would encourage you to do this yourself if you have some time today. Psalm chapter 9. For the choir director, a psalm of David, to be sung to the tune, Death of the Son. I will praise you, Lord, with all my heart. I will tell of all the marvelous things you have done. I will be filled with joy because of you. I will sing praises to your name, O Most High. Yes, Lord, we pray that that is true. It's so easy to get caught up in negativity and what's not going right. But Lord, let us not be focused on ourselves and our circumstances. Let us be focused on who you are and what you've done. Let us praise you for what you've done. Let us get our minds off of ourselves and our eyes on to you. Verse 3, My enemies retreated, they staggered and died when you appeared. For you have judged in my favor. From your throne, you have judged with fairness. Yes, Lord. Praise God uh, that you came once and for all and defeated the enemies. That you rule and reign over all the kingdoms of the earth, spiritually and physically. And Lord, we await the day in which you come back and you ultimately fulfill that kingdom. But we know that the war is already won. Lord, thank you that you are a good and righteous judge. Lord, I know what I deserve, and yet you have counted me innocent because of what Jesus has done on the cross for me. I'm counted innocent because he lived the life I couldn't live and died the death that I deserved. And Lord, I know that because of this, I will get to share in the reward of his resurrection. And uh, Lord, that's all because of the grace that you have given. Verse 5. 
You have rebuked the nations and destroyed the wicked. You have erased their names forever. The enemy is finished in endless ruins. The cities you uprooted are now forgotten. But the Lord reigns forever, executing judgment from his throne. He would judge the world with justice and rule the nations with fairness. Yes, Lord, thank you. The Lord is a shelter for the oppressed, a refuge in the times of trouble. Those who know your name trust in you. For you, O Lord, do not abandon those who search for you. God, what a wonderful truth. Truth we got to see uh, in our Old Testament reading today. That is, Hagar searched for you. You were there. You hear the cries of the innocent. Lord, help us always to be people who realize our need for you, that we would search after you in all of life. Verse 11, sing praises to the Lord who reigns in Jerusalem. Tell the world about his unforgetful deeds. For he who avenges murder cares for the helpless. He does not ignore the cries of those who suffer. Yes, Lord, we know this to be true. We sing these praises. You did not ignore the cries of those in Genesis, and you do not ignore the cries of those today. Lord, we pray for those in our community who are hurting. Pray for those in our church family who are hurting. And Lord, pray for those areas in our own lives in which we are hurting. We know that if we cry out to you, you hear them, and you are doing something. You are healing in a way that only you can. Lord, I pray that today we would place our trust in you as we go out throughout our day. And Lord, maybe perhaps somebody listening to the sound of my voice today would make the decision to, for the first time in their life, truly place their trust in you and who you are and in what you've done. In your name I pray. Amen. Well, I hope that today's reading was impactful for you. Uh, and I am excited to see you back here tomorrow as we will be hitting the double digits. Big day, number 10. And as always, I'd love for you to share with me your thoughts because I truly believe it is better to read the Bible together, which is why we're doing this podcast. And that is why I will see you back here tomorrow for day number 10.